It is Sunday, July 14th, and this is The Rally. Hey everybody, Adam Giardino with you. It's time for an episode of The Rally, and a disappointing one last night for Scranton Wilkesbury. To be sure, a 6-2 defeat at the hands of the Syracuse Mets, a game in which Scranton Wilkesbury led 2-1 going into the bottom of the seventh. Syracuse struck first with a run in the first inning. Eris Mendy Alcantara came through with an RBI double, plating Rajay Davis all the way from first base. The Rail Riders, though, tied it in the third inning on a sack fly by Clint Frazier. In the sixth inning, a passed ball gave the Rail Riders a 2-1 lead. Chance Adams was great. Six and two-thirds innings, just three hits, but was tagged for a second run in the seventh when Ruben Tejada led the frame off with a game-tying solo homer. So it was 2-2 and a no decision for Chance Adams into the eighth inning. And Syracuse plated four runs, just one of them earned. A couple of errors in the inning charged to Stephen Tarpley, and a 2-2 tie turned into a 6-2 victory. Syracuse was six runs on only six hits. Meanwhile, the Rail Riders, two runs on 14 hits and a couple of walks. 16 base runners and only two runs for the Rail Riders. A tough luck loss on Saturday night in Syracuse. Absent from the lineup yesterday for the Syracuse Mets, their star outfielder Tim Tebow. Somebody that everywhere he goes, he's got the spotlight on him. He was an Eastern League All-Star last year, well-deserved for the numbers that he put up. This year, it's been a real grind, a tough transition for him to AAA life. And that conversation coming up next, Adam Marco had a chance to sit down before yesterday's game with the former Heisman Trophy winner and the current left fielder for the Syracuse Mets, Tim Tebow. It's hard, you know, it's a big switch. Um, you know, kind of every facet of athleticism. You go from a game where you peak once a week to trying to be ready every night and that's a huge change and so many people that I've worked with um, countless number of coaches through the Mets organization and and outside of it that have helped me and and a lot of players as well so I'm very grateful for all of that feedback and you know I think for me it's just been a process of um, when I made the change of understanding that it's going to be hard and it's a grind and you know the best at the game you know go three for ten so there's a lot of failure at it and understanding how to deal with that failure and then being able to and continue to work every day through it you've had the ability to work your way up through the new york mets organization level by level what are the biggest changes you've seen from double a last year to where you are in triple a this year how the game is played how it's approached the lifestyle is different you know what are the level-to-level changes, double-A to triple-A for you? I think one of the biggest things as a hitter is they can command their secondary pitches probably a little bit better um, in triple-A. I think it's a lot of guys that have a lot of big league experience that are really good at what they do. Um, and so I think it's also, you know, having the right game plan against them, you know, um, a little bit of a chess match and, and being able to adjust when they're showing you something different. You mentioned adjustments. Football is a game of adjustments nonstop. Are you making those same in-game adjustments that you would for football that you would here in baseball, or is it more day-to-day? Uh, it's in-game adjustments, absolutely, you know, especially when they start bringing in relievers. Um, but then it's also day-to-day. And, um, you know, and then if you're, you're working on something with your swing and then making that adjustment, and then it, you know, so you're, there's a lot of adjustments. And I think that's one of the biggest things about baseball. You are a massive force when it comes to the charitable aspect, and I think more players need to be involved in that side of it. Is it difficult, or does it come naturally to you to drive that charitable side while still operating as a professional athlete? Well, um, you know, for me, I don't necessarily look at it as a 
as a charitable side, I look at it as trying to have a life of meaning and significance and purpose. And I know that doesn't come from um, from playing a game, whether it's baseball or football. I think it comes from being able to impact those around you and being able to um, encourage and, and be able to change another life for the better, which is, um, you know, hopefully something I, I try to do every day. And um, that's one thing that we try to do through the Tim Tebow Foundation. And, um, but also every person you encounter, uh, there's an opportunity to impact someone for the better because they met you, because they know you, because they've seen you. Um, hopefully their life can be a little bit better. That's the attitude that I take um, and try to have every day um, because it's not just about winning games, hitting home runs or strikeouts. It's about being able to affect someone's life for the better. And you never know what someone's going through. And, and maybe you can be that piece that can really brighten their day. I had the chance to see you years ago as a Columbia Firefly. So <laughs> watching your impact both on the field and off the field and how you approach it is uh, is really inspiring. I, and I hope a lot of players pick up on that. Lastly for you, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask my co-worker Adam Giardino is a huge college sports guy. He's a UConn fan, so I either need you to say something good about UConn football or we'll take the easy way out. Give me a dark horse college football contender this year that's not Alabama or not Clemson. Well, I can say UConn's had really good good basketball teams over the years. Um, A a dark horse, you know, I I expect um, pretty big things out of Georgia this year. Um, I think that um, if you look at what they've done the last two years, I think you would say they're ahead of schedule, especially two years ago. Um, But if... you know, two years ago, if you looked, you would have said, this is their year. This is the year that they have to be ready. They have to be relevant. They have to compete for a championship. But then again, if they're able to make it to an SEC or a playoff and, and fall again to Alabama, I think that, um, man, it creeps in your mind. If you're an athlete and you lose three times in a row, three years in a row in a, in a, a different form of a championship game, uh, that's big. So if they get that test again where they can play um, a, an Alabama, I, I think this is that year that they have to get over the hump. Um, and um, I think they have the pieces and the talent. Um, will they be able to put it together? Because it's hard. You know, two years ago you play for a cha- national championship, you lose. A game you should have won. Last year you're an SEC championship game. A game you should have won against the same team back-to-back years. And, you know, if that happens again, that's tough to get over. Big thanks to Tim for being our pregame guest yesterday, and big thanks to you for making the rally part of your day today. We've got first pitch at 135 coming up from NBT Bank Stadium in Syracuse. It's Grant and Wilkesbury looking for the series split. They've dropped two out of three to Syracuse to begin the weekend. You can catch all the action with Adam Marco beginning at 105. Pregame coverage begins then on the Real Riders Radio Network, the TuneIn Radio app and on the MILB First Pitch app as well. I'm Adam Giardino. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later today.